Welcome to Nutrition Grad Guide. I'm your host, Shana Sapi, a qualified nutritionist and multi-passionate entrepreneur. I created this podcast to help nutrition grads just like you navigate your way into a career and a life that you love. In each episode, I'm going to bring you interviews with experts in the nutrition and health field, exploring a range of different career pathways. We'll learn about what they do, how they got there, and their advice to help you grow a successful career as a nutritionist or a natural health professional. Thank you for tuning in. Today on the podcast, I'm super excited to introduce Samantha Gemmel. She is a fellow nutritionist, a health writer and a marketing expert. And I personally have learned a lot from following her on social media and just from our chat before in the cafe too. And I'm so excited to share all of her knowledge and for you guys all to learn how to market yourself as a natural health practitioner. So welcome, Sam. Thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. So to start off, can you tell everyone a little bit about you and how you got to where you are today? Sure. So I got into nutrition a bit by accident. I was recovering after after having thyroid cancer as a teenager and I didn't really recover very well from it. And because this was sort of before thyroid health was really understood well, the, the problem is, is that they sort of thought that because I I hadn't had chemotherapy or radiotherapy, I'd only had radioactive iodine, they sort of thought that they could just give me this radioactive dose and then send me off on my way and I was going to be magically fixed. Mm-hmm. And it was a couple of years of my immune system being absolutely shot mm-hmm. when I sort of discovered the power of food and food as medicine and I popped along to an open day at one of the colleges and fell in love with the idea of being able to heal the human body with nutrition. Yeah. So when I first started studying, I thought that I wanted to support thyroid cancer survivors um, and work in thyroid health. And then that changed about every year or so of study that I wanted to do something else. When I came out, I thought I was going to be working pretty exclusively in a clinic with people experiencing chronic pain Mm -hmm. and I did go out and I did start doing that I picked up two um, clinic rooms and then I failed miserably I hemorrhaged about ten thousand dollars in three months because I thought that I could just go the old school route and you know set up a little a little sign out the front and have a couple of practitioners refer to me and build a sustainable business. Mm -hmm. And although that might have been doable, you know, maybe five years beforehand, I was coming in when social media was really becoming a big part of being a practitioner and marketing yourself. So I started to experiment with ways to market myself and things that felt good. I started off by writing a few guest blog articles for a couple of sites. Um, I did a couple for the Wellspring blog at Endeavour College of Natural Health, And I also wrote some for Natural Beauty Expert. Mm -hmm. And I really enjoyed doing it. I really enjoyed writing and educating people. And then I found out that I could do it for a living. And it just sort of escalated from there. Yeah. What I love about that is you went out there and you did it and you learned on the job. Like, so you didn't go straight away thinking you would be in marketing. But it's really interesting to watch your career progress like that and that you found your passion by just taking action, which I think is a really important thing for people who have just graduated or who are trying to practice as a nutritionist in any of the respective fields. It's important to go out there and act on that. So I love how that evolved. 
Absolutely. Really and I don't have qualifications in writing or journal- uh, journalism or anything like that. Yeah. I'm, I'm self-taught. I went out there and I learned. Um, I went to the people who do what they do really well and I picked up everything I could from them. I became yeah. a sponge when it came to people who were really good at writing and marketing Yeah, and just pulled that into my own practice and my own point of view and how it works for me and sort of melded it together yeah. until it made sense. Yeah, it's so important too yeah, yeah. to be that sponge and learn as much as we can because that's how we grow and evolve into the people that we want to do, we want to be. Absolutely. <laughs> so I then started moving my business across a little bit. I was still mm-hmm. seeing clients, although I wasn't seeing very many clients. I was still yep. seeing clients. I was still doing the clinical side of things. And it wasn't until I went overseas on an overseas volunteer trip to Greece that I kind of took my business with me, continued to write for a few people that I picked up work from. And all of a sudden I realised that I had a business that could follow me anywhere in the world and could work around anything that sort of came my way. Yeah. So it was a couple of months after that that I officially went full time Mm -hmm. as a writer and then it was actually a suggestion from a friend of mine who is at the time she was a naturopath student and is now a qualified naturopath yep. and is actually my naturopath. Yeah. She turned around to me and she's like, Sam, everything you know is so useful. Why why don't you work with practitioners mm. as your main people? Because up until then I'd been working with supplement companies and sort of bigger businesses that produce a lot of like um, cheap or free ebooks and I was writing a lot of their content for that. And she suggested working with practitioners and I'm like, I love practitioners. Why aren't (laughs) I working with more of them? Yeah. So I started writing content almost exclusively for them. Mm -hmm. And as I was doing this, I sort of learned along the way that a lot of people think that strategy is their problem when it comes to their marketing and when it comes to their content, they think that they're not writing the right thing or that it's not perfect or that they're not putting it out enough And that might be true, but for the majority of people that I've worked with, and I've worked with over 100 practitioners, the biggest thing is mindset. Mm, I love that you said that. (laughs) It's so important. (laughs) One of my questions, actually, I was going to ask a little bit later, but I want to ask you, what do you think is the most important mindset shift that people have to make to have a successful career in our field? Sure. So this is one that I've sort of come to understand really deeply recently. Yeah. I think a lot of us sort of have always had like those people who push when they sell. We've all had whoever the equivalent of the used car salesman is, you know, (laughs) the the people who are standing in the super in the supermarket or in the shopping centers trying to sell whatever charity they're working for or whatever product that they're being paid to sell. Yeah. And I think we've we've all had that experience where that feels really icky. Mm. And the problem is, is that that has sort of taught us that marketing feels icky. Yeah. But it 100% does not feel icky if you switch your mindset from selling to someone mm-hmm. over to offering to someone. Yeah. Because selling is sort of you pushing it at someone whether or not they want it. Mm-hmm. Whereas offering is putting it out there for whoever is out there and whoever could benefit from it can take it. And if they can't benefit from it, they can leave it. Or if they're not ready to. Or if it's not something that they want to work on just yet, they have that opportunity to see what you've got to offer and walk away. But it means that the people that are saying yes really mean yes. Yeah, that's a much nicer way to approach it. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, I, lo- I love saying it as sort of, I call it the brownie theory. It's a little bit adapted from a few different sources, but mm-hmm. I adapted it for practitioners because we are all foodies, <laughs> really. Heck yeah. And it's about going to a party with a tray of brownies and you're not going to shove it down someone's throat because you never <laughs> no, know <laughs> you never know if they're on an elimination diet. Maybe they're doing a whole 30 and can't have a brownie. Yeah. Um, and you get that opportunity to communicate to them saying, oh, this brownie is gluten-free. So you're telling them about the benefits and why they might want it. Yeah. But you might also say, oh, but it does have walnuts in it. So if you've got a nut allergy, it's not for you. Yeah. So you can also communicate when an offer is not right for someone. Yeah. And then it's up to them whether or not they take that brownie. Mm. And you don't take offence if they don't take the brownie. No. Because it's it's not personal that they don't want your brownies. <laughs> and it's the same with your offers and your services. So true. And that's how you find your ideal client as well, by telling them like what you provide and who it's for and who it's not for. Because if we're attracting in clients that don't meet our needs, at the end of the day, that's not how we're going to best help people. So I think that's really important to differentiate that and understand that not everyone is for us. Absolutely. And you don't really want the ones that aren't for you. I always Mm. say that good marketing and good content will repel people as well as attract them. You want to push away the people who don't want to pay for your services, who don't want your support. And then the people that you do bring in are going to be the people who will not only happily pay you, but will also refer clients to you. Yeah, that's so true. So coming back to your um, business, your current business at the moment, uh, what does a typical day look like? For you. And I know as entrepreneurs, that's a very like a fluffy question because it changes every day. But to give people an understanding of what you actually do as a health writer and helping other people market their services, what are your main tasks in your business? Sure. So I tend to have two kinds of types of day throughout the week. Um, I very deliberately have days where no one can book in one-on-one sessions with me. Yep. And those are my writing days. And those are days where I will sit down for an hour or two at a time write out some articles for my clients. So most of them are practitioners, but there's a few brands that I write for as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I write for a brand called Supercubes. I write for a college. So I will sit down and write for those people on my non-client days a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. And then on client days, it tends to be a little bit more of a mixed bag. So I do offer free chats with people who are interested in learning what I do or want to ask questions about my services and how we can best work together. Yeah. So I'll usually have three to five free chats every week that are 15 minutes each. Mm -hmm. And then I also have one-on-one sessions with practitioners who want to learn how to better market their business. Some of them might be like planning out a quarter's worth of content and marketing strategy. Yeah. Some of them might want to come up with content ideas for a year it really depends on what they're struggling with. And sometimes we are working on those mindset shifts as well. Yeah. So I'll usually have a couple of those per week as well. And then articles just sort of slot in around them as well. Yeah. I'm also very conscious of looking after myself because I do have a genetic connective tissue disease that I manage. Mm-hmm. And that's part of why I work for myself so that I can restrict my work hours and really look after my body. Yeah. So my typical day will also still include like a lot of frequent breaks um, Mm -hmm. just to allow my body to sort of move because there's nothing worse than sitting for eight hours straight and writing articles. Yeah. 
Um, I'll often take my puppy dog for walks. She <laughs> is my, my chief furry officer. Oh, I love that. And she <laughs> will often interrupt me when I've been sitting down for a few too many hours and nag me to go next door to the park or go for a walk around the local area. I like to incorporate yoga when I'm feeling a little bit sore or a little bit in a funk as well. Yeah. But I also still have days where I just like the flexibility of going and working from a cafe and being in a different atmosphere or going and seeing my myotherapist because she's nice and quiet during the times that I have freedom to go and see her. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I combine them and have brunch with my myotherapist. <laughs> <laughs> that works out nicely. Yeah. So that's probably yeah. the majority of what I do. Sometimes there's yeah. other stuff in there, like sometimes I do recipe development. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I will meet people and actually work with them in person and do like three-hour intensives. Yeah. If, they're, if they're in the Melbourne area, I go to them. Um, but, yeah, that's probably only once or twice a month that I sort of get to, to get out of the house other than just escaping to the local cafes. Yeah. And what advice would you have for someone who does want to go down a similar career path and go more down the health writing and publication side of things? Sure. So it's something I talk about a lot on my blog because it is something that I have sort of learnt along the way. Yeah. The first thing is to actually start writing because you're never going to know if you actually (laughs) like writing until you do it and not just for fun. Like, Set yourself a goal of writing five articles in a week around the stuff that you're already doing. Sit down, write those articles, figure out how long it takes you to write those articles because that'll help you figure out how you're going to start charging for them. Yeah. Start networking with other practitioners if you do want to work with practitioners. And I think one big thing that a lot of people don't think of is figure out what type of writing you like because health writing is kind of like nutrition where there's so many different avenues you can go down. So I do a mix of writing articles and doing a lot of editing um, website copy, especially for compliance with things like TGA regulations and APRA. And if you don't have the patience to sit on those websites and scroll through the options and tweak those words, you you don't want to go down that pathway. (laughs) It can be frustrating at times. (laughs) Some people write eBooks and e-courses. Like I've done a little bit of that, but it's not my focus. Mm -hmm. Some people will write for big companies, like write articles for things like FX Medicine. Yeah. Some people will write for supplement companies. Some people will be writing more technical stuff or even research-based articles. So it really depends on what lights you up. When you sit down, what do you get inspired to write about? What kind of stuff do you like to consume yourself as a reader? Mm -hmm. Have a bit of a play with that and see how you go. Um, build build up a bit of a portfolio so that you do have articles on at least your own website and preferably at least a guest blog somewhere else. Mm-hmm. If you are an Endeavour student or graduate, hit them up because they're always looking for content. Yeah. I'm sure the other colleges are the same as well. Pretty much any college will always be happy to have a student or a graduate write for them. Yeah. But there's other options out there as well. You can even just approach anyone who sort of works in that supportive industry, whether it's a a website designer who works with practitioners or a social media person who works with practitioners. Let them know what you're trying to get into and offer a free guest blog as an option so that you can show that you write for more than just yourself. Yeah. And how did you develop your personal writing style? Is it just through writing and sort of what you were saying there? There there was a lot of practice in there. 
when I look back at my first website, mm-hmm. I still have a screenshot of it. Yeah. And it was horrible. I love <laughs> it because it's a great example that I've gone from not really being able to write to knowing what my writing style is. And yeah. the real problem when I look back at that, it wasn't that I wasn't a good writer. It's that I was all caught up in my head. Mm. I was worrying about sounding professional. Yeah. But people don't connect with professional. No, they connect with real people and real voices. Absolutely. So I always say write as you speak. Yeah. And even if to start off with that means you recording yourself talking to a friend about something, get on a podcast, come on this podcast, talk about what you love and then use that as inspiration for your content. Notice how you talk. When I work with practitioners, I'll have one-on-one calls with them via Zoom online whenever I can because I pick up on the things that they say. For example, I work for a dietitian and nutritional hypnotherapist and she hates the word diet. So I have to edit the word diet out of anything that I write for her unless it's in the context of calling it a fad diet. So I have to talk about, you know, daily intake or food regime because she won't talk about diets Mm. in that context. And that's something that you will pick up on in your own voice as well. And it's something that you want to pick up on if you are working for a specific person rather than a brand, learning how they talk as well. Yeah. And if anyone is trying to develop their own writing style and learn more about how to be a good writer, do you have any resources or tools? I'm sure there's some on your website, so we'll definitely link anything relevant in the show notes. But do you have anything that you'd recommend people check out to learn and expand their skills when it comes to writing? Sure. So I do have a few resources on my website in terms of Uh, what to do when you want to be a health writer, ideas of how to price yourself. But there is also another fantastic resource that I'll give you the link for that is the, I think it's the Health Writer Hub and it's run by someone who's a really great health writer and she has some really good courses if you sort of want to go down the route of courses that sort of give you the real bare bones of it. Mm -hmm. She's also got one that's more focused on medical copywriting as well. So if you do want to be writing for I guess more the people who are regulated by things like APRA, so whether you want to work for acupuncturists maybe or even integrative GPs, that's a really great resource. It's actually something I'm working through myself at the moment. Oh, cool. That's really good to know. And always keep learning because I'm still learning and I've been writing full-time for two years now. Yeah, and that's important. Like we're always improving and if we stop learning and stop improving then it's yeah, it's kind of a dead end road. Like we need to be constantly on the ball. And yeah, we learned that in nutrition. We learned the importance of constantly staying up to date with research and same goes for writing as well. Absolutely. It's changing. just like nutrition in that yeah. as soon as you think you know everything, mm-hmm. you get to the point where you realise you know nothing. <laughs> yeah, so true. There's always more to learn. In terms of pricing your writing and pricing your content, what advice do you have around that and for practitioners who are ready to start charging for their articles? Sure. So you probably know that there's a lot of places that will just happily accept free content and some places will actually even charge you to publish your things. Okay. Please don't ever do that. You should never be paying someone else for your own hard work. Yeah. I definitely advise having a decent variety of content within whatever you want to be working within. Mm -hmm. So maybe at least have five or six different articles on at least two different websites or in publications. And then you can start looking at charging. Mm -hmm. So 
I am very much an advocate of start small and work your way up. When I first started writing, I was only charging like $20 an article and that was two hours of work for me because I was still learning how to actually write efficiently. Yeah. And I was doing a lot more referencing of stuff back then because I wasn't confident in my own abilities, my own knowledge about nutrition. Yeah. So it's absolutely fine to start out charging small amounts Mm -hmm. because every person you work with is an opportunity for you to have a testimonial from someone who says that you're amazing Mm. and then just tweak your prices up every six months. I'm still at the point where not all of my services, but some of my services that are a little bit newer or that have evolved a little bit more, I still put them up every six to 12 months to reflect the amount of energy that I put into them. Yeah. So you can start off small mm-hmm. and work your way up. But I think one thing is is that you do need to start charging. Yeah. Even if it's only a small amount, that's still going to put you into the mindset of the fact that your work is valuable mm. and that you should be rewarded for doing it. Yeah. Do you find that there's some benefit to doing some of the free publications, though, on those bigger media sites that only take the unpaid content? Or do you think you're better off investing your time in writing paid articles? I still write free content every yep. now and then. It tends to be for big places that are on like Source Bottle, which is a great option if you're looking to get yourself into the media. Okay. Um, I think I actually have – it will probably be out by the time this goes live, but mm-hmm. I think I have an article that I've contributed to in New Idea. Yeah. I've done quotes for Women's Health and Fitness magazine. I've done one that ended up on msn.com. So that's a really – good way to go for those big places yeah the only thing that I will say is that big places are fantastic for your reputation and it's really good for you to be able to say that you've had at least one or two things published with them yeah but at some point you do need to again start charging for your work those places probably won't pay you because they have journalists who work for them yeah and those journalists are the ones getting paid yeah but I still do them every now and then just to be able to say that I'm still getting myself into the media and I'm still considered a nutrition expert and that's fine to just pick them up as they come up and as you actually get to the point where these kind of people will approach you I have contacts at New Idea at Women's Health um, Women's Health and Fitness Magazine even at websites like Starts at 60 and Over 60 I've I've given some content around supplements for for older people yeah and sometimes they'll just pop me through an email and be like, hey, Sam, can I just get a quote on this? Yeah. And if it's something that doesn't, it takes me less than half an hour, then it's just a good investment of my time and it's not taking away from what I do. Yeah. But you do need to be careful that you don't throw yourself in the deep end of that because exposure doesn't pay the bills. Yeah, that's so true. That's a really good way to approach it. Um, and when you do work with those brands... What, how do you sort of keep up with, like, your, it sounds like a lot of them approach you. How do you keep up with all of that? Like, do you do all your own admin around that or do you have people who help you? Like, do you work with anyone in PR or it's all done by you? It's all done by me. I'm, I'm just very, yeah. I'm quick and I yeah. spend my time on things like Source Bottle and social media. Yep. I spend it wisely. Mm. I know where to be on the lookout for opportunities. Yeah. So I tend to have a look at the source bottle emails that come out twice a day. I know what times they hit my inbox, have a quick scroll through and I go, do any of these appeal to me? Is this something that I want to be talking about? 
Because a lot of the times there's stuff in there where I'm like, I could talk about that, but I don't really care about it. Yeah. So I sort of keep an eye out for specific topics that I'm really passionate about or I really enjoy talking about. Yeah. And if there is something there, I spend maybe five minutes or less popping through a message to whoever put out the call out. Yeah. And I hear back from them or I don't. Usually they get back to you within about 24 hours. Mm-hmm. And again, it's something that usually takes me 30 minutes or less to put together because they're topics that I already know about. Yeah. And do you find the more you write about certain topics, the easier it is to churn out new content? Absolutely. And even talking about the same topics in different situations, I think I've written an article on antioxidants, like just a general antioxidants 101. I think I've written it about 30 different times now for 30 different brands or businesses or practitioners. Yeah. So the the base content is the same where, you know, the antioxidants still mean the same thing and are still found in the same fruits and vegetables and plant foods. Yeah. But the different tweak, depending on who is writing that article or who I'm writing on their behalf. Yeah. You know, one is a supplement brand who has a turmeric supplement. So obviously we talk a little bit more about that specifically. There's been a brand that did a cacao-based tea. So obviously we talk a little bit more about the benefits of the cacao antioxidants and what you can find in dark chocolate and all that good stuff. Yeah. So you you can often repurpose the same research and the same content Mm. depending on what that person wants to use it for and who their ideal client is. Yeah, I think that's really reassuring for people to know because it can seem like it's very overwhelming in terms of what you can write about and how much time it's going to take to put into each thing. But when you come from from that perspective and repurposing content, it's yeah, it's really interesting to hear about that as well. Yeah, and it's the same for practitioners who are still writing their own content. Yeah, repurpose it, please, because only I think it's about ten percent of your followers on Facebook will actually see any one post. Mm -hmm. And the people who follow you on Facebook are going to be different to the people following you on Instagram. Yeah. And different people are following you in Facebook groups and wherever you are. So don't assume that everyone sees everything that you put up. Yeah. And please don't let your amazing content end up in the graveyard. Yeah, that is so true. So how important do you think it is for nutritionists and natural health practitioners to have their own blog and to be putting out that content? When you first come into it, it might not be the most essential thing because obviously you will probably be coming in on a budget and you do want to have things covered like your legal documents kind of come first. But once you do have your own website, once you've got that set up, I think it's really important because people have gotten to this point where they rely way too much on social media as their only way of marketing. Yeah. And we're getting to the point where, you know, now it's no longer as viable as it was a few years ago and people are really struggling. So having a something that you actually own, that you actually ha- get to say what is there yeah. is really important because Facebook could delete your Facebook page tomorrow and there's mm. nothing that you can do about it. Yeah. I also think it's a really important way of building yourself up as the expert in whatever you want to work in and whatever you want to niche down into. Yeah. I still have people who come onto my website all the time because I have articles on scleroderma Mm -hmm. and I will have people from across the globe reading that article 
because I am known as a specialist in that area. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, and I still see it. <laughs> I see it pop up every every couple of weeks. It'll just someone's obviously shared it on a Facebook page or in a support group, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden I'll have like 20, 30 views of this one blog article that I wrote, I think two or three years ago. Yeah, but it just keeps it keeps on being reused and reshared by people because it is something that's a really niche area. Yeah, and I think that's the importance of having a website and having those sort of long lasting content sources as well whereas social media it's there for you're lucky if it stays on someone's feed for 24 hours and then it's sort of gone whereas websites are more likely to go viral later so once you've done the work it's there helping people constantly and you have to like you don't have to keep on top of it as much absolutely and the more and more that things like google and seo develop the more and more that we start to learn that what's being rewarded is real consistency across content. So if you've got a website and you've only got five blogs that are on whatever your area of specialty is, it's not going to come up nearly as high as someone who has been consistently writing blogs on that topic around that area for two, three, five years. Mm. So the more content that you put up around the area that you want to be working in and the more that you talk about it, the more that you're going to be rewarded and pushed up people's Google feed. Okay, yeah, that's really good to know. And in terms of SEO, how important is it to optimise your blog posts when you're putting them out there? Well, that really depends because it's just changed again. (laughs) I, I think it changed about a month or so ago. Okay. So it's it's ever evolving and I think it's kind of at this point where we need to stop trying to outsmart any algorithm and just be really consistent with yeah. what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. So Google can now sort of assume things when it comes to topics that you're talking about and a lot of like synonyms. So it will see gut health and digestive health as the same thing. It now has that set up in the algorithm that they're the same topic you'll probably see when you google something you'll see some kind of synonym come up within the first few ones because some people say digestive health and some people say gut health but they both mean the same thing yeah so if you are interested in working in gut health for example as i know you're very big on gut health absolutely so the more that you talk about gut health in different ways the more it's going to optimise your SEO without you even really needing to do too much. Yeah. I do recommend, and I do actually have a free resource on this that I can link you guys up with, but I do think there's some things that are sort of important to optimise in your blog posts that help both with SEO and with the reader actually reading it and enjoying it. Yeah. Things like actually having whatever your focus is in like your um, your title mm-hmm. in a, a subheading or two. But these things are really easy to do if you actually think about what people are going to go out there and Google. So say you've got a Gut Health 101 blog. Yep. If you literally title it Gut Health 101, what you need to know, yep. people are going to click on it. So that's the first step. And then think about the questions that people will be asking about gut health. You know, what is gut health? Why is gut health important? what supports gut health what is bad for gut health you've just managed to get yourself four subheadings for this article just thinking about what people want to know about it yeah that's a really great way to approach it questions are fantastic like that because that is what people are putting into google when they're searching for things so So if you make that a subheading Google actually sees subheadings as more important than the rest of your content. They see it as something to sort of push further up the feed. So if they Google 
what supports gut health and you've literally got that question in there, they're more likely to see your article. Yeah. Good tips. Love it. All <laughs> Look of forward the tips. to reading your resource as well. Um, how important would you say your nutrition degree is when it comes to your health writing? Like, has it been really beneficial for you? I imagine it would really help with a lot of the content and the type of stuff that you do. Absolutely. It really sets me apart from other um, freelancers because I'm in a few freelance groups. Mm -hmm. And as soon as something comes up that's for nutrition or naturopathy or even sort of other fields, health coaching maybe, I'm always one of the first people who people suggest because they know me as a qualified health practitioner who is also a writer. And there's a few of us out there who have the same benefit as well. As soon as you see someone who's got the same qualification as you, but who also writes for a living, Mm -hmm. you automatically trust them more with your content than someone who's just been a writer and who also writes for builders and who writes for lawyers. It's again, that, that power of the niche. Yeah. And it gives you that credibility as well. And you really know what you're talking about. And it means that I can write articles faster. Yeah, A lot of freelancers charge more than I do for the same content. And it's not that I'm worth less than them. In fact, I'm technically worth more because I have that expertise. Mm. But I can write articles really quickly about nutrition because I don't have to look up things like which foods are rich in vitamin C. <laughs> yeah, you already know it. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and when it comes to finding clients or clients finding you, what would you say are the best ways, like the best avenues to approach that and how do people find your services? Sure. So I think the biggest thing that most practitioners will struggle with and even people who want to get into health writing in the first place is actually getting visible. Yeah. And this is a massive hurdle for people and it is a lot of mindset as well as strategy. Mm -hmm. And this is something I'm really passionate about and I actually am starting to run challenges around marketing that focus on visibility. Yeah. So I put up a tip the other day in one of the groups that I'm in and it literally said, No one can buy your offer if you don't put it out there. So true. We can't help people if we're not visible. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And it's fantastic if you're putting it up on your Facebook page that has 30 people following it. Most of our friends. Yeah. Friends and family. (laughs) Not not our ideal audience. (laughs) No, but friends and family definitely can start off as a good starting point for referring people onto yeah, you absolutely but at some point you need to move into a bit of a, a bigger pond whether that is growing growing your Facebook audience or whether it is reaching people in a different way mm-hmm. you need to find a way to reach more people yeah ideally we would have you know maybe 50 dream clients that we see consistently and that they refer people on mm-hmm. and you can definitely build up to that but to get 50 dream clients, you probably need to be getting in front of 5,000 people yeah. in different avenues over different periods of time to build up to that. Mm. And that's not always necessarily online. That might be in person. That might be running workshops. It might be doing talks. Yeah. Um, I've done a talk at Mind, Body, Spirit before. That's something that you can apply to and do for free. Yeah. And that's an opportunity to get in front of hundreds of people who are interested in well-being. Yeah. So finding ways to get in front of people and really having a play with it because I think it's really easy for you to just look and be like, no, I'm introverted, so I don't want to do any of these things ever. But you don't really understand until you actually do something a couple of times whether or not it is actually comfortable for you. Yeah. I do identify as an introvert now. I'm Mm -hmm. just a very 
friendly one. <laughs> and when I'm around my my people, as I like to call them, I completely transform and I'm I seem extroverted. Yeah. But I don't love being in massive groups of people mm-hmm. and that's okay because I don't need to be in front of massive groups of people. Yeah. It took me so long to get over my fear of Facebook lives mm. because it's live. You can't edit it. Everything yeah. happens as it goes. Anything could go wrong. And it's really awkward when you first start because most of us are used to actually looking at people and talking directly to them. This is why I love podcasting (laughs) with you because I can look at you. Yeah, absolutely. But you sort of get to this point where you practice and you practice and you almost end up in this zone where you are talking to someone. You can picture them in your head and you can talk to them. Yeah. So now I do Facebook Lives pretty regularly. Mm -hmm. Most of the time it's in groups of people like my ideal clients but sometimes it's on just general Facebook as well and they get really great interaction because I'm showing up, I'm helping people and I'm really real about it. Yeah. My dog loves joining in on my Facebook lives (laughs) and knocking over my laptop. Oh, so cheeky. (laughs) And the thing is people love her Yeah. because people love when things go wrong because we've all had those things happen. Yeah. So I think getting out there and trying a few different things Mm -hmm. to see what works for you. And I always like people to get really comfortable and really nail one way of marketing Mm -hmm. before they go on to the next. Because there's nothing worse than you coming out as a brand new graduate and being like, okay, so I'm going to start a podcast and a YouTube channel and Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn and Snapchat and TikTok. (laughs) I don't even know what the new ones are these (laughs) days. (laughs) <laughs> and, and try and go out and do all of those things and then go, well, no one's coming to see me. I've failed at this. I failed at marketing. And it's like, well, you haven't failed at marketing. Yeah. You just haven't actually put your time into nailing one of them. Yeah, it gets very overwhelming with all the things out there. But I think that's a really good point to just focus your energy on one thing and really grow that up. Absolutely. And think about where your ideal client is as well. Yeah. If you want to work with people who are in their 60s, they're not going to be on TikTok. (laughs) They're not going to know what TikTok is. I don't even know what TikTok (laughs) is. I just see it all the time. And I'm like, apparently this is a thing. Yeah. Whereas if you want to be working with people who are in their young, like in their 20s or even in their teens, maybe you want to work with hormonal imbalances, then maybe you do want to be on Snapchat and TikTok and Instagram. Yeah. And what was the turning point for you where you realised you did have to be visible and put yourself out there and how did you get started? I think it's been an ongoing learning process and I think that's what it can be for all of us, that we get more and more comfortable as we go along. Really over the last few months, I've noticed a big difference of when I do show up and get really visible, Mm -hmm. that is when my business booms. And I have people who I don't even realise are following me Mm-hmm. come and want to work with me. A few months ago, I had a message in on my Facebook page from a woman who's in a few of the Facebook groups I'm in, yeah. but I'd never seen her like any of my stuff mm-hmm. and she certainly hadn't commented on it because I keep track of who I've had conversations with on Facebook because yeah. I know that they're sort of warmer leads and I know that they're likely to convert. Yeah. And this woman turned up and she's like, Sam, I'd like to um, start a VIP package with you. And I've gone, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> yeah okay and she's like oh yeah and I'll I'll pay $1,200 up front 
And I'm like, this is, and it is because I don't know her, but she knows me. Yeah. She knows me and she trusts me. Yeah. And that is what getting visible does. Mm. And I think this is something that people get caught up a lot in, especially if they're not getting interaction on their Facebook page, but you never know who is actually reading your content and still getting value from it. Yeah. Because most of us don't interact. We read stuff all the time and we go, oh, I'd never thought of that or, oh, I'm going to I'm gonna actually action that. Yeah. But we don't stop and tell whoever is running that Facebook page that a lot of the time. Yeah. We just keep scrolling. That is such a good point. And I, I think it's really important for us as people who are going into this to sort of be aware of that and maybe cheerlead on the, the pages that you follow a little more because you now will understand – how much that means to the person who's running that page. Yeah, that is so true. I know I love it when people comment or say they've tried a recipe, for example, and tell me that they've loved it. That means so much to me and it might just skip your mind sometimes. Like I try people's recipes all the time and I don't think to reach out and tell them that, but it really can just make someone's day. So that's a really good point about like supporting each other and lifting each other up and reminding everyone that they're doing an amazing job and to keep going. Absolutely. Yeah. So what is your big vision? What are your plans for the future? So 2020 is a big one. I have 10 trips planned. Some of them are business and some of them are personal. Mm-hmm. But I've got a lot of a lot of trips planned. I might have a few speaking events sort of in the works and a few workshops. I am considering doing a bit of a, uh, a tour of Australia and running workshops around the, the big cities. Mm-hmm. I don't know where and when I'm going to fit those in, but we can we can always make it work. Yeah. But I think for me, a really big focus this year is really helping practitioners to nail their marketing and to find a way of marketing that really resonates with them. Mm-hmm. Because what resonates with me and what feels good for me is going to be completely different to the next practitioner. Yeah. So working with small groups of practitioners who really want to take their marketing to the next level. Mm-hmm. But also I'm going to be running regular free challenges to help people really get visible and get out in front of their ideal clients. Because I think that's something that will benefit everyone in the practitioner community. Yeah. And then that's the opportunity to benefit thousands and thousands of people who are looking for support in their health and well-being yeah and in the industry we're in we want to help people that's generally why we come into nutrition so I think that's really beneficial for people to learn yeah and I think even if we each of us works with maybe a thousand people mm-hmm. over our our business lifetime because I'd like to assume that we've got lots of regulars mm-hmm. but even if you work with a thousand people and you think about the amount of practitioners if every single practitioner, worked with a thousand people, how much healthier would the world be? Yeah, it would be an incredible change. Yeah, and we were talking about in the cafe downstairs before as well how when we impact someone's life, they're going to go on to impact someone else's life. So you might help a mum and she might make her children have a healthier life as a result of that. Or you could work with a practitioner who then also goes on to do something similar to you do where they help other practitioners and there is that ripple effect and that compound effect that really builds up and we are making a huge impact even though it might not necessarily always seem like it. I think that's really important for us to focus on because it can be really easy to get down on ourselves and get down on the world because a lot of stuff going on in the world can be really depressing Mm. but... The stuff that's happening in the world right now isn't just coming out of nowhere. It's come from another ripple effect where someone has done something not so great, which has done something not so great, and now it's just kind of a storm of (laughs) feces. Yeah. 
So I think we can now make that work in our favour and start working on changing people's well-being and making them feel healthier and happier. Yeah. And the more people that we do that with, you know, they might be managers and they might manage a team of 10 or 20 or more people mm-hmm. and then 10 or 20 or more people will then be happier at work because their boss is happy with them and is managing them in a way that feels much better for them Yeah, and that will impact their families. So it's that whole six degrees of separation but in terms of making everyone feel healthier, happier and sort of working towards a better future. Yeah, making the world a better place any way we can. Yeah, we're all bleeding hippies in the end. <laughs> yeah, so true. Um, what does success mean to you? That's a good one. So success to me means building a business for myself that works around my life instead of my life working around my business. Yep. That's been a real lesson for me probably over the last 18 months because I have been building my business to a point where it is a full-time income for me and that I can still work the 20 to 25 hours a week that's most comfortable for my body yep. and for actually having a life. Yeah. So for me, I really want a business that I can build around my life that allows me to to travel, mm-hmm. but also that still allows me to inspire people on a daily basis and to transform people's lives, whether yeah. it is directly by working with practitioners who want to do the same with their own business yeah, or whether it's supporting them and helping other people change. That's a good yeah, version of success. Absolutely. I think it's so important. Yeah. yeah. What would you say is one book that you would recommend every nutritionist or natural health practitioner reads to uh, further their knowledge, whether that's to do with marketing or business or health or anything that you think everyone can benefit from reading? I'm a big bookworm, so I have to chuck this one in. <laughs> well, I think you already know this answer <laughs> I because like I, I popped it up on Instagram the other day and you <laughs> answered it. So it would be Chillpreneur by mm-hmm. Denise Duffield-Thomas. Yep. So I've seen Denise talk at a couple of events before and I love her work and I love her approach because she's very much like me in that she understands that what works for one person doesn't work for another. Yeah. But she's really got that focus on keeping marketing simple, Mm -hmm. keeping your business simple, outsourcing whatever doesn't light you up as soon as you can. Yeah. And for some people that's reading emails, for some people that's doing the bookkeeping, whatever really drags you down and that you procrastinate on for hours, that's the first thing that you need to be outsourcing to really build a successful business because otherwise it becomes a complete drain on your energy Mm -hmm. and on your resources. But she's also got a really strong approach to money mindset and really believes, like I do, that money money is just another form of energy. Absolutely. And it's something where we provide so much to the people we work with Mm -hmm. and money is an easy way for them to pay back that energy. Yeah. I think more money in the hands of amazing practitioners would make such an improvement in this world Yeah, because we could choose to spend money on things like giving back, on mm-hmm. going on trips where we can volunteer and help, help people overseas. Yeah, We can donate services to people in things like women's shelters. So it really gives us that energetic freedom to do what we want with our energy because we're not yeah. worrying about our finances. Yeah, and money is a real magnifier, so it allows us to make more of an impact. Absolutely. How much more of an impact can you make when you've set up to do webinars rather than just talking to five people at the local community centre? Yeah. You've got that opportunity to reach hundreds of people and to spread your message and to spread your advice. Yeah. 
And for for some people, that's, you know, $20 a month. Yeah. I'm going to have to read that book. It's definitely on the reading list now. Yeah. (laughs) I might have to loan you one of my two copies. Oh, you've got two. I love it. (laughs) Yeah, that would be awesome. So before we wrap up today, what would you say is a final word of advice to anyone who is in this space uh, when it comes to marketing their business or anything you want to touch on that we haven't spoken about yet? I think for me, the real thing that it comes down to with marketing Mm -hmm. is figuring out who your ideal client is in the first place and getting really specific with them because if you try and talk to everyone, you're going to be talking to no one. Yeah. Getting visible in front of them because they need to know that you are the person to help them. Yeah. And it's not up to them to figure that out. It's up to you to let them know that through your content, through your marketing, through your website, whatever it is that you choose to market yourself with. And finally, finding a way to be consistent about it. I know we were talking downstairs about batching before. I'm a massive fan of batching content, of batching Facebook posts, even batching offers. One of my favorite things to tell people is that if you have a really amazing day where you've just seen your dream clients and you're on top of the world and you just think you could do this forever, that is the time to batch out your offers Mm. because that is the energy you're going to put across when you put those offers out. And you just write up those offers and schedule them in for Facebook every couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. So then that means that that's a few weeks that you don't have to worry about putting up an offer. So you don't have to put them up on those weeks where you're kind of feeling a little grumpy, down, someone's just cancelled and you're sort of in a bit more of a desperation mindset. Yeah. So batch everything you can, especially if you can't outsource it. The more you batch, the more energy you free up during your week. Yeah, that is really good advice. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, And where can the listeners find you? So best places to find me, are you can jump onto my website and jump onto my blog. I also recommend if you're really vibing with my blogs that you jump onto my mailing list because I send out my blogs every week so you'll never miss them. I spend a fair bit of time on my Facebook page. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to tell you what it is because I've just changed the name of it. <laughs> no worries. Which which will be able to link down below. Yeah, it'll be in the show notes. And you'll probably find me in a lot of the groups that practitioners are in as well. Yeah amazing I'm sure it's not the last they'll be seeing of you here either like we had some really good chats and I think we'll be working together in the future and I have no doubt you'll be on for another podcast episode as your business continues to grow and evolve and you bring out some very exciting services you're working on so thank you so much for being here today it's been an absolute pleasure I'm so grateful thank you for having me and I'm really excited to see what we can create together in the future me too thanks I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. I feel like I gained so much valuable insight and advice from it and I hope you agree. If you did enjoy this episode, please leave me a review and tell me what you think. I would love to hear your feedback. Do you know anyone else that this episode can benefit? I would be so grateful if you share it with them. That way, they too can benefit from all of the insight that we covered today. Your support means so much to me and together we can help even more people build a career and a life that they love. Thank you for being here. Until next time, keep making your dreams a reality.